Hello and welcome back to episode 14 of Oh No No No, the Rafe Rovers podcast. I'm your host this evening, Robbie Weir, and I'm delighted to be joined by a trio looking ahead towards our quarterfinal tie um, of the SPFL Trust Trophy. We are up against Hamilton Ackes. So firstly, this evening, uh, we've got a duo who renowned from their K107 days, um, a duo that Maybe not as much of, of a whinge bags as uh, John Baird and Brian Graham, but we've got Blair Hopcroft and we've got Scott Fleming. How are you lads doing? Very well, mate. Yeah, all good. Cheers. Yeah, and still hitting the mark as those two are. Um, <laughs> and then a late entry, late addition to the squad this evening, um, jumping in just to, to help us out here. We've got Mr. Leslie Mabin. Um, how are you getting on, Leslie? Very well, thank you. Up in the, the far north this week, so just like William Accio when he came to the Rovers alone, I've come in here at very short notice. I'm absolutely terrified, but I'll give it my best shot. I think that you'll probably be more consistent as well, fortunately. So Definitely uh, more yeah. welcome than William Accio, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got our quarterfinal coming up in the SPFL Trophy, uh, our Trust Trophy. Naturally, we've had a lot of success in this competition over the last few years. Um, we're playing Hamilton with the winner of that game will go on to face either Airdrie or Greenock Morton. So, Ake's in their last six games. They've won three, drawn two and lost one. So, just to go to you firstly, Scott, do you think that form's going to play a factor going into this uh, competition? How do you feel? Um, It's a difficult one. I would say, like, maybe more if it had been a Scottish Cup tie, you could go into that like this. I don't know how seriously Hamilton are going to take this game. Like, I mean, we've already came out and said, well, Ian Murray's already came out and said that he's going to make changes. And, I mean, we're, we've got, what, one suspension and still a few players injured. So you're going to see a few regulars on the bench this week and guys like Masson will probably come in uh, as well. So I'm actually, I think we'll just edge it this week back. I'm kind of struggling with what Hamilton are going to do because they, do they think, well, this is just going to add to our schedule when we're trying to like go for the league with Falkirk or do we just, no, it's just a one-off and we'll just go for it anyway. It's it's hard to say what uh, Rankin's going to do, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one because naturally we're not without our problems and I think that's where we've been well documented. We are going to be missing Ewan Murray uh, this week through suspension. And then as well, it's, you've got a lot of players where I know that we've got Dylan Corr back in training this week, but I think it'll probably be a bit too early for him. Um, so, yeah, Blair, do you think it's going to be a good opportunity potentially for the younger lads to, to maybe prove a point and sort of stake a claim in the squad? Um, to an extent, although we're in a bit of a weird position as a club, because without the reserve football that Hamilton have, um, we don't really have an awful lot of young boys around. I mean, there's Adam Masson, obviously. You've got Callum Hanna, but um, I, mean, I don't, I don't know if he'll start Hanna. To be fair, um, I think Masson will start. I think the the fact that Murray's suspended um, certainly opens the door for Adam Masson to come in. Um, I think it's actually quite good timing for us, though, in terms of I don't think anybody and everybody wants to win every game of course you do but I don't think anybody really cares and I think that's the, the honest truth like if if we go there tomorrow night and lose you know 2-1 or whatever I don't think any Rovers fans are going to lose any sleep over it so actually it's probably a good game for the likes of Gullen and for um, Jack Hamilton and stuff so not so much the young boys but the boys coming back from injury 
um, to get them a bit of game time, um, you know, 90 minutes in their legs or maybe not quite 90, but a good a good bit of game time in their legs. Dylan Easton as well, who's been coming back for a while but still hasn't started um, since his injury against, actually in the last round of this, wasn't it? It was against Montrose. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be good for that. Um, I do see it being quite a different lineup. Um I mean, I, I know we'll talk more about lineup as we go through, I'm sure, but um, yeah, I think there'll be changes. I think that's, um, I think it's a fair assumption. It'll be interesting to see whether uh, we go directly up top with Hamilton, because again, you don't know where a lot of the lads, like Callum Smith, for example, you don't know if he's been sort of running on empty or whether how he's been doing over the last few weeks. Same goes for for Lewis Vaughan, um, and we're getting in a bit of a position where we are now fortunate to see these lads coming back so uh, Leslie what would you do if, if you were in Ian Murray's shoes would you be looking to rotate it straight away or would you be keeping the same lineup? I'd be rotating it I think one thing I would absolutely do if the bodies allow us to do it is whoever is going to go in at right back when Millen is suspended at Inverness gets the full 90 minutes at right back at Hamilton whether it's McGill, whether it's Masson, whether it's a bit of musical chairs, whoever it is, I think that's going to fill in for Millen up in Inverness when he's serving a suspension, needs that 90 minutes in a, in a very low-stakes game just to build their confidence, get a bit of experience. That's the only thing I, I would absolutely kind of really want to see. Aside from that, I mean, I agree with what the guys are saying. I think there are players, particularly that they, they are our, our front four, as it were, who we've been, we've been relying on for the last few games. Connolly, Vaughan, Smith, Stanton. These guys have played an awful lot of football and as many of them as can get a rest as possible, I think would be, would be good. So I'd certainly be looking to, to mix up the attack. And as I say, really using this as a training exercise for whoever our, our cover at right back is going to be up in Inverness. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point that we, we know that this situation is going to be coming in the next few weeks where you've got milling out uh, just through suspension and again I touched on it at the weekend, it's an understandable one, you can't blame the lad in the slightest for, for tearing his top off when you score a 90th minute Penenka um, I think anyone would have naturally done that but yeah, um, I feel like it's it's one of those games going forward where I, I think Blair you're absolutely spot on when you say that if you lose this game and then we go into the next week in the derby and we have a repeat of the last time that we went to East End, if we walk away with a 1-0 win, nobody is going to care in the slightest about this weekend. Um, so I think that's a, a very valid point. Um, for me, it'll just be interesting to just sort of see how, how we do line up. It's it's a competition that we have been very, very successful in in the last few years. Um, it almost feels like we've taken it a bit more of a degree of seriousness compared to other clubs but then again you don't know if that's just a point of pride with how we've had sort of this unbeaten run going for a few years time and then Hamilton brought that to an end in the final last season so yeah it should be I mean it'll be interesting certainly whether it's going to be the most captivating of games and again looking at Ake's they've got a lot of former players in our lineup so just going to turn to you, Scott. Do you think that's uh, beneficial from our perspective that we know what to expect with a lot of these lads, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, a few of them will be recognisable for our support and obviously for, um, well, maybe not necessarily for Ian Murray because he, he wasn't in charge when the likes of Tate and Barjonas and that were at us. So 
I don't think for him anyway, but obviously we've got a few players still hanging around that played with him. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. As I say, it'll be interesting if they even play. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to just go with it. I also don't know the size of their squad, to be honest, whether they've got enough to start rotating or if they're in a similar position right now with maybe a few injuries and they can only afford to make two or three changes. It's... they're not in our league so I'm not really I've not paid a whole lot of attention to them this season I'm just obviously each week you're seeing that both them and Falkirk are winning in League 1 so you know it's a tight uh, race in League 1 but uh, yeah other than that nah I don't I don't see um, I don't see it playing in a factor that uh, it's going to be anything damaging for us we know what they can do Tate Tate he's a funny one at I, I didn't agree with him leaving at the time that he did, and I got a lot of stick on Twitter for it, saying that uh, I thought it was a bit ridiculous that he was going to Hibs, to be honest. But you can't judge him, I suppose. It's his own decision to go there. But um, no, I think he's kind of more at his level, sort of high-end League One, low-end Championship player. But um, And Bar Jonas is kind of the same, so I don't think there's anything to fear with him. And yeah, they'll be high on confidence, but so are we. Yeah, I know that Blair's sort of came in slightly there and mentioned about their depth. I think they're a very strange side in that you look at them and they've got this youth setup that just seems to perpetually like produce players that get sold on to clubs down south and that keeps them running. Just a very strange club in general. Like I've, I've spoken to a few of their fans before. Um, I don't envy their position because they were where we were a few years ago. Um, I know he's gone now, but before they did have sort of Colin McGowan, they've been taken over by a Turkish businessman, a guy called Zerif Sengen, I think now, um, who seems to be making a lot of positive noise. But you don't know whether that's really just a front for sort of what's going on with behind the scenes. And Colin McGowan does still own their stadium. So there's, they've got a lot of off-the-pitch stuff to deal with. But at the same time, I think they've done really well with their squad to retain the players that they've had. I think, again, Blair, you mentioned before that Tumultly um, re-signed for them. Um, and that was a bit of a strange move. I, I think he, a lot of people would have expected them probably just to, to stay in the championship because he is definitely a player that you could have at this level. So, Leslie, just uh, looking ahead to Saturday and keeping on Tumultly, how big a player do you think he'll be? Because naturally we know what he's all about. I mean, he's, he's always there. And, of course, he really did come back to bite us on the bum in the Challenge Cup final. Um, you know, I think, kind of almost to, to his credit, he's never kind of razzed us up. He's not sort of had a bee in his bonnet about leaving. You know, again, he, he sort of left to go down south and he came back and, you know, he wasn't, you know, up celebrating in front of our fans or anything like that. He was, it, it, was, it was just a routine goal against against another club. Um so he's he's clearly he's a very quality, a very good quality right back. And I'm like 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 you were just saying, I'm surprised he's still playing in in League One. Um I, you know, we've 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 moved on since then. The the right side of our pitch has now matured into being something that uh, delivers beautiful crosses and glorious panenkas rather than box office shooting and things like that. But you know, he's always got that in his locker, right? He's you know, regardless of whether he was a former player of ours or not, he's a a, a, a real quality player, um, and who will be a real asset for Hamilton to have if they if they decide to play him. Yeah, I think that's a a, a really good summary. 
um, of him. Uh, I was a, I was a big fan of, fan of Tumulty when he was with us, and I think you can see his decision. He, he got a bit of stick from people sort of saying to go down south, uh, or Scottish football's a bit boring because you play the same clubs four times a I year. Know. But let's be honest, he's absolutely bang on the money when he says that. The, the league system could do with a... It'd be far better if you were playing clubs twice a year um, and you got a bit more of variety, um, albeit that's very, very unlikely to change given the, the way that the voting structure is and the setup of things. Um, so just for you, um, to go back to you, Blair, um, is there anyone else that in particular that you, you're thinking might potentially be a standout for Akis? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think they've got a really good squad. For League One, I actually think they've got a better squad this year than they had last year. Like, yeah. I, I genuinely think they would do all right in the Championship um, with, with what they've got. I mean, he's suspended for tomorrow night, but Jackson Longridge is a, a cracking signing for them at that level. I mean, they've basically got two of the best fullbacks. Well, certainly, probably the best two fullbacks in League One, um, and they wouldn't be. I wouldn't think the two of them would be far off the best in the championship either. To be fair, they would certainly be up in the running. Um, they've got O'Hara front as well, who, be honest with you, I never think he's very good, but he always scores against us. Aye. I mean, obviously he was at Dunfermline, but he always seemed to score. Even the 5-1, he got the one. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like he always seems to pop up. I think Dylan Tate will have a... I think he'll have a wee B in his bonnet. I think he'll have a wee point to prove because I think quite a lot of fans actually kind of, like Scott saying, I think there was a few of us were kind of going, really? Like, is that the, the move that he's going to make kind of thing? Um, so I think he'll want to kind of prove that he's still the player that, that we thought he was at one point kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think they've got quite a decent squad. Barjonas as well, I think, is decent. I Again, and I know it's a bone of contention for a lot of Rovers fans, I actually thought he was all right for us, to be honest. I thought he did okay. Um, he never quite hit the heights that he did from his debut, scoring that goal against Forfar. Um, but yeah, I think they've got a decent squad, so I think it'll be an interesting game. I think the thing with the depth that I'm saying, their youth setup, they've still got reserve football, so they've got all these kids kicking about. So I think Scott's right. If they want to change it, if they want to save their, you know, keep the powder dry for the league kind of thing, they can. Whereas we probably can't, really. I mean, we can make some changes, but we can't make wholesale changes. You couldn't play a different 11. Do you know what I mean? You can maybe make three or four changes, but you're you're somewhat limited. Um, whereas they've definitely got a lot more depth, but it's youth, really, really young kids. So yeah. whether they would throw them under the bus um, against a team that they probably should lose to, um, I don't know if he would do that, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, you, you're mentioning about the, the manager and... Um, obviously that's John Rankin that's in charge there John Rankin boils my piss I'm not going to lie, uh, I just feel like he's a bit of a cheerleader um, and like you saw him in the cup final and he's going down the touchline like jeeing their fans on with like 10-15 minutes to go, you can get why he's doing it but like it was just all very theatrical um, so to, to take that sort of line of questioning for yourself, Scott, do you think he's a good manager, John Rankin? Where do you where do you have him in your estimations? Uh, he's what is he one year of management? He's he's hard, It's hardly anything that you can go by. I mean, he's he's won a trophy for them. I know he got relegated, but I mean, when he went in, what when did they go in about this time last year? Was it he was appointed? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, they kind of got a wee sort of boost after that cup winning, picked up a few results, but nah, they they won that. Well, as Blair says, they probably do have a better overall squad this year, but I don't know. I, I think it's far too early to be judging somebody coaching and uh, managing wise. I mean, he was at what I think Hearts under 17s or something before that, um, before he, he took on this job. So it'll be. It'll be interesting more for the rest of the season if he can go toe-to-toe with uh, Falkirk and McGlynn all season, considering Falkirk have a bigger budget than they do, than Hamilton do. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's up against, again, McGlynn's a very experienced manager, but he's also been known for slipping up at the end of the season. So yeah. it'll be interesting if Rankin can keep going at the pace that Falkirk are going at. But uh, I would... Say that probably you're more going to be able to judge them by the end of this season than anything. I think it's far too early just now. What about you, Leslie? What are your thoughts on it? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a bit different. I actually quite like him. I think compared to some of the other young managers that we have seen at the lower end of the championship recently, um, particularly those that wear tight white trues, he actually comes across as being reasonably articulate. And you know, when, when he was a player as well, I always thought he's one of those guys that even when he was playing against you, you're kind of like, all right, you know, fair enough. He's a, you know, he's a good model professional who's had a, had a long career. And you sort of give him a, a bit of respect for that. I think, though, it is, it is a bit too early to sort of judge what he's going to achieve as a manager. You know, it would be like making a judgment on, for instance, Barry Smith based on the, the season and a bit that he had with us or, you know, basing you know, Jim McIntyre on what he maybe achieved at certain points in his career. You're, he's in a position where... He's got the resources and the fact that he's got a full-time club in a largely part-time league where you expect that he's going to be up there. And, you know, I mean, if, if he continues to get results like that and come up, you know, you could see him, if he carries on on that trajectory a couple of years down the line, you know, being, being linked with some bigger jobs. Um, it is kind of too early, I suppose, to say, you know, what he what he might achieve in a league where he is in, you know, one of the, the, the clubs with a bigger budget. He's probably exactly where you would expect him to be at the moment. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, actually, because I feel like with League One, it's not an easy league to win by any stretch of the imagination. And we know that from our experience. But I feel like sometimes it can be what a manager needs to sort of... Almost managers can build up reputations. Like, I don't rate James McPake at all as a manager, personally. But, like, he went to Dundee, and I think he did... He got them promoted, but I don't think they were... We were probably on an even keel with them and a bit unlucky in terms of the way that that season finished. Bearing in mind the squad that they had and the, the resources. And then he moves on to Dunfermline and gets them promoted at the first time asking. But then they're playing sort of football that's very, like, kept the defence tight, did what you need to do, and then win the games against Falkirk, which they obviously did. Um, and now that he's came up, it's a bit like... Are you actually all that good? Like questions are starting to maybe get asked in, in terms of where he's at. Um with ranking, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think it's a fair fair point to say that you can't really judge him. What I would say is I did listen to a podcast once with him, um, where he was talking about like his experience in terms of um he was at Manchester United as a youth player. And he, he does have a really interesting story to tell. He said that he used to get a lot of stick at Dundee United for being a reputation of like being a busy bastard. Um, that was his own words. Uh, just because he would stay after training to do things like extra work and stuff like that. But he says that that's sort of something that he thought was quite problematic in Scottish football. 
also interestingly on that podcast, he spoke about the time that when as a youth player at Manchester United, he went out on loan to Corinthians in Brazil. I don't know if you know this, but he actually went out there. He didn't get any game time, I think. But him and one of the other players, I don't know who it was, but they ended up in Brazil and like got put in with like a family and digs and stuff like that. Just a really crazy story. But you think, man, fair play to him for for that experience. But Corinthians nah. to Hamilton Academical. Ah, well, that's it. Via Dingwall on the way. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that. So yeah, looking ahead to Friday night, the the only other point that I would really bring up is that twenty pounds entrance fee seems as <sighs> something that's going to be with both clubs, but a bit steep, isn't it? Yeah. A bit steep for a ground where you can actually watch for free by um, scaling the Sainsbury's with an abseiling rope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't remember what we charged in the last game. It was only 10, wasn't it? I think think it was 15. 15. Um, It's disappointing. They're obviously obviously looking to cash in because we're, like it's Friday night, we're likely to take a decent crowd with us. Um, so they're obviously looking to cash in a little bit. I mean, credit where credit is due. I was just having a wee look there. For I mean, John Rankin, I'm I'm kind of with you, Robbie. I wouldn't have, have personally rated him a, a huge amount, but um, they've only lost one game this season, and that's including the League Cup. They they lost one on penalties. Um, actually, funnily enough, to Cove, who they lost their league game to as well. Um, but they yeah, only one run of games this season. League Cup, they also missed the last-minute penalty, which if they'd scored it, they would have we gone through instead of us. That was, uh, aye, that was pretty much the skin of, skin of our teeth for that one, given the, the situation there. But, but that's, not an easy, that's not an easy thing to do, though. I mean, we talked about James McPake. I mean, credit where credit's due again. You, you've got to say a team that goes down. I know they were full-time, but look at us going down at full-time and look at Falkirk going down at full-time. It's easy not to bounce aye. back. So to, and to keep largely the same playing squad, which he has, he's recruited, but there's quite a lot of them still in there. Um, like he's done, he's done a pretty good job, and they're keeping pace with Falkirk. And if we know one thing about John McGlynn, he loves to shit the bed. Aye. So there is every chance he, he nicks this off McGlynn. It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. I think uh, the the Falkirk one's actually a very interesting point that you make, though. That's one that always fries my heat. That. Um, when we went down, obviously we went down on the back of the Anelka season and Gordon Dale came in in that season. And we were out of the old Division 2 quicker during that period than Falkirk have now. Like, this will be a longer spell for them there. And that, for me, just fries my head because it feels like a lifetime of football was played in that spell that we spent in that second division. Even in McGlynn's first season, we had a complete turnover from the start of the season compared to the squad that we had at the end of the season. So, yeah, that's I just... Them, I would love to see them collapse. <laughs> Falkirk. It would be yeah. very, I, I, very I, I funny. genuinely still love John McGlynn, and I do. I fucking love to see him collapse. I really do. I think just the whole... I just the, the whole circus around it is just... Yeah. It's just been very, very funny over the last few years just to watch that whole situation unfold. And especially the way that that season ended, that we went up and they shat the bed so badly at Starks Park with Miller and McCracken, like Lee Miller, Miller uh, just edge of the box, all of the go to aim at. Robbie Thompson had been gone off injured and we had uh, Monroe and Goals who to be honest, wasn't the best um, for us that season. Um, and he just completely shanks it over the bar. And 
the fact that you've got John McGlynn in our dressing room saying to our players, um, this season's not going to go on much longer. Like we all knew it was coming to a stop and that it was going to that things were getting out of control. Um, so yeah, just Falkirk just being a perennial laughing stock is always a good thing in my book. Um, so to move forward, um, I'm just going to ask for predictions for the game. So we'll start with yourself, Scott. What are you going to predict? Um, I can see it being quite an entertaining game. Both teams have been scoring goals this season, so um. I'm kind of contradicting myself because I think that both teams might make changes, but uh, I, I'm going to go with an entertaining... I'm going to say we'll win 3-2 again. Blair? I actually don't think this will be settled in the 90. I think two each. Um, and then I can see us winning it in extra time or on, on penalties potentially, but yeah, I think it might be quite tight actually. Well, let's go straight to penalties. I don't think it will. I would have thought it would have gone to extra time. Actually, you might have a point because there was a there was someone in the, the last was, round. I think it was. Yeah, um, I, I think is it not only in the semis that it changes because that's what, when we got to Dundee last year, and it went to yeah. extra time. I think it maybe. I think you might be right, Scott. Actually, I think it might go straight to pens. Lads, we're a football podcast that doesn't <laughs> know about football things. Let's be honest. So we don't come it's, on here and do research. <laughs> aye, aye. Leslie, what are your thoughts? I. I agree with Blair that I don't think it's going to be settled in the 90. I was trying to rack my brains as to whether at the stages before the semi we actually have extra kind of extra time. And the reason I was thinking this and the reason I should know this is that my dad is one of very few Rovers fans in the last 10 years to have seen us win a game at the Caledonian Stadium. So my dad lives just across the water from Inverness and we had Inverness in the Challenge Cup very recently, and there was like 10 Rovers fans there, including my dad, and he saw us win on penalties in Inverness. I cannot remember, though, whether there was a half-hour extra time period before then. This does not answer the question. It doesn't answer anybody's question. I've just gone on a big kind of long, circuitous rant, and I've been listening to Labour MPs too much. So I'm going to go with two all after 90 minutes, and I'm going to go with the Rovers to win on penalties. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with uh, Blair and Leslie. I, I I just think with this competition, we just seem to always get through by the skin of our teeth, um, and it'll be a penalties win. I think it'll be a one-all draw, um, and we'll go through on penalties. It's also um, what has been this season in terms of we don't win games more than a goal. <laughs> yeah, that that's very true. I just feel like I just can't wait for the game that we actually beat somebody by more than a goal. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise uh-huh. me if it's one of those freak statistics where it just keeps going. But yeah, I, what was really good actually to read, if you've not already done it, I'd imagine that, again, we're not exactly the source that people come to for their Rafe Rovers information. But if you've not already done it, uh, Craig Cairns and Alan Temple have both put up articles recently about statistics behind Rovers and coming into like the, the end tail end of games and how things are shaping up for this season. Um, so if you get a chance, read your Courier Sport um, and get a deep dive into all the stats there. But yeah, we've scored a phenomenal number of goals in the last five minutes of games, which is great. Um, and again, we're still yet to concede, I think, in the final 10 minutes of a game. As far as I'm aware, I might be wrong about that now, but I don't know when Rory Payton scored his. But um, 
Yeah, there was one yeah. Craig Games put up. It was like a like a league table of <laughs> goals in the last ten minutes or whatever. And I think it was it was yeah. us and Dundee United both haven't conceded in the last ten minutes of a game. Something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, but we we haven't scored between half time and seventy five, which is worrying. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost plenty. We've definitely though. conceded in that period. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time we conceded. Yeah. As, as soon as Christina brought it up, it was just like we've all become aware of it and sent it of it, and now it's just it like was the same last think, season, I know. Yeah. Uh, I was just having yeah. a look there as well. The new Saints, when they played these five, went straight to penalties. So I think it's the same in the quarters. I think it's the semis that it changes. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. But that's the thing with sort of football at this level, because with COVID, how much things changed over the last few years, it feels like it's different rules every single season. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, just interesting to see how that goes. Um, so one major sort of talking point that's came up um, over the last few days in Scottish football, there's been a job change up um, in your folks neck of the woods, Leslie. Um, big don't ask him about his text Malky Mackay has been sacked effectively uh, as he as he was so keen to, to let the world know um, he was sacked by Ross County who disposed of his services which obviously brings up the topic of will Ian Murray be an attractive proposition for Ross County and how are we going to deal with that so I'm just going to come to you firstly, Blair. Uh, do you think that's going to be a tempting sort of position, maybe, if they came calling? Do you think he'd go for it? What are your What are your thoughts on it? Personally, I kind of see it. Um, I can see them asking the question. I think he's done a he's he's obviously done a pretty good job. So um, I, I think he's earned the right to be part of the conversation. But um, I mean, I, I think from his point of view, he's he's at a club where. There's a, a project on the go that he's very much a part of, and he's got the chance of of kind of creating a bit of history here. Things are still going really well, um, and he's got a chance to go to a club that look destined to be relegated this season or next season or the season after, and it's like that perpetual thing. We've spoken a little bit about, you know, even if the Rovers were to go up, like, it, the novelty will wear off really quickly, like, um, so no, I, I I don't think it's as attractive for Ian Murray um, as a as a Dundee or a or one of those kind of clubs where yeah I, I don't know I think Ross County is a funny one they're just they're they're a wee they're a, I say that like we get slagged off for being a wee team but they are a really wee club do you know what I mean and it, it feels like the bubble will burst at some point and when it does they'll go Hamilton like yeah. it'll be it'll be free fall. I think that's a, that's a fair summary, and it is very frustrating when you see a club like that that's propped up effectively. I mean, Roy McGregor, he sold as uh, Uncle Roy, as he's effective, uh, affectionately known uh, by most people throughout Scottish football, opens his checkbook, and he sold his energy conglomerate of companies that he had, um, the Global Energy Group, for a ridiculous sum of money. Um, so he's completely walked away from that, and Ross Counties now is just his play toy. Uh, that he has uh, an absurd amount of money from, and it was what was strange about it was that he was back in the day, and he's always been involved with county, but back in the day it never felt like he was chucking money in, and then they kind of got close to the top flight, and he was like, ah, go on, and then after that it was like just a, yup, the checkbook's open, let's go, let's go, let's go, um, so very frustrating when you see a side like that because. 
I mean, I'll come to you next, Scott. Do you think they're really that far ahead of us? Um, I think they're probably on a... I, I would put us on a par with them, to be honest. Where in terms of, of course, they've been in the Premier League in recent seasons quite a, quite a lot, and obviously we've not. But, I mean, in terms of, like, obviously a size of a club and in terms of... But I, I'd imagine that their budget will be higher because of the league they're in. But I would imagine that if they drop down a league, they might pay players slightly more than us just to, as you say, throw throw money at it just to try and get up. But I would say that it should be on a, a similar sort of wage structure as what we would be on, especially now with the new ownership as well, where we've probably went a bit more uh, of a sort of higher budget this season as well with bringing in guys like Josh Mullen and uh, I, I don't think uh, even players like Jack Hamilton would have been that cheap either because there was other championship clubs in for him. So, no, but I, to go back to also just the whole Ian Murray situation, I think I can see Ross County being definitely interested in him because of what he's been doing. I mean, I think he, any club would be a bit silly to not even look at him for it. So, and I know that they've also been rumoured with Davey Martindale, but he's never going to leave Levy for another club in the top, bottom six. Somebody like a Hibs would need to be after him for him to leave Levy, or somebody down south. But... See, that's the that's the interesting one, because St Johnston made inquiries about Martindale, and it was very much a statement went out like, no, he's not leaving. But you do get the feeling, like, I get the feeling, certainly, that, there might have potentially been scope for him to go, but from his side, he was. I know he does everything at Livingston, but it would certainly be an interesting one. They're, they're definitely a club where you feel like they're in a very similar position. No money, bottom, very bottom end of the league, trying their best to sell Joe Nubley to no effect because everyone knows he's out of contract. And you're just waiting for them to come back down because that's very much... I think the best case situation for us would actually probably be for Livingston to come down because that would mean that it would be a very, very open championship next season if we don't get promoted this season, which is still very much a possibility. So just to, to go to yourself, Leslie, what what are your thoughts uh, regarding things? It's, it's a, a, a challenging one. I mean, I think if it was any other bottom six club, you'd think there's absolutely no chance. You know, if it was Livingston... You know, when, even when the St Johnston job came up, you thought, yeah, you're, someone like Ian Murray is not going to go to to there. The difference with Ross County, as we, we've talked about before, is there's lots of money there. And you know that you're going to have a good budget. And as much as that annoys me, I have to say fair play to Roy McGregor. You know, he's financing a football club with money he's made from renewable energy. And, you know, he's done brilliant things with building wind turbines and developing hydrogen capacity and things like that. So... Fair play in for fighting the climate crisis. However, I do not want Ian Murray to go there. I think the one thing I would say though is I would turn it on its head and he said, would Ian Murray want to go to Ross County? And another way to look at it is on a personal level as well. So I can tell you for a fact, and we're going to have Tuchters raging, yelling at their phones when I say this, that we are up in the arse end of nowhere up here. It's a long way from the central belt. And I don't know about Murray's personal family circumstances or situation, but I do know anecdotally it's been a real challenge that Ross County had in the last few years is getting managers to relocate, come up from the central belt. Particularly, you know, it's a long way to go to kind of bring 
relocate your family and things like that when you might be emptied a year and a half down the line. And, you know, that if, if, if you're, you know, rocking up down the nine during the winter, you know, you're not going to be there necessarily every day. That has implications for training. So I'm not sure if you were a manager who was kind of settled in, in the central belt that it would necessarily be a, a gig you'd want to take. I do remember reading an interview with Reagan Tumulty because he was at Ross County for a while and he said that as a player. He said you know, he was a young player at the time and he'd come up from uh, from the central belt and he says, you know, the players up there are all in their, their own little bubble. It's their own little world. And, you know, for, for guys that are maybe a bit older, a bit more settled, you know, some of them quite like that. Um, but he said, you know, for a young player, it was a very kind of weird thing to be away from your, your sort of support network in the central belt. So, you know, I'm, I'm, there's that angle to factor in as well. Um, it is, as I say, the only thing that does worry me a wee bit is the fact that you do know you're going to get a budget to spend. But what are you going to do with that budget? I mean, the most you can realistically hope to achieve is probably kind of sixth or seventh. You know, so I'd like to think... Have the same, sorry, I was going to say, do you not think they have the same problem, though, in recruiting players? Like, yeah. you can have a budget, but like you say, who wants to move to... The dingwall, like it's a it's a long way from anywhere. A lot of the players that they do bring in, I mean, they've done quite successfully over the last few years bringing up lads that have maybe came from England, where um, they, they again, didn't realize how far away it is until they get. Yeah, it. maybe, maybe, but also as well, it's it's a fresh start for a lot of these guys. Um, they had Reagan Charles Cook who did brilliantly with them. Um, I think Locatu is it Locaturi as well. The other lad, they've got Billy Matthews' yeah, brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's came over and seems to be doing very well as uh, there too. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting one. But as you, you rightfully touch on, I know Ian Murray's got a young family, so it's the question of whether you would want to relocate or do you go for the travel, like if that was the case. And also as well, I think the longer that he stays at Rovers, the more invested you feel it is in the project. He's got the support. He knows the, the board there. He's got John Potter in the background working to help him out. It's, I think maybe if it was last season and we'd been as successful at that point and he didn't have sort of the likes of John Potter helping out, he might say, well, I'm doing everything here and I could maybe jump ship. This season, you're maybe thinking, well, it's during, during midway through the campaign almost. Um, would I really want to be making that jump just now? So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I don't think McBookie have even put any odds up as of yet. Uh, on it, so I think it'll be one to keep an eye on for the next few weeks, but hypothetically if he did decide to go, uh, and I'll go through each of you and ask this, um, who would you want as your replacements? So Scott, what are you thinking? I haven't even thought about that, because to, to be honest I would be I would be gobsmacked if he did leave like, considering how well we're going, that I think it might have been different if well, they probably wouldn't be in for him if we weren't doing that great this season. But even if we were middle of the road, sort of fifth, that sort of position that, every, like, what you got, like, four points in between fourth and eighth or something. And if we were in that group and they came in for him, then he might have had a bit more of a decision. The fact he's now clear second and, like, very much in a playoff position, I, I just don't see why he wouldn't want to see where this is going to take him. Because... I mean, he, he would be a, a legend for God knows how long if he took yeah, us into the Premier League. I, I feel like that's a very important point that we've probably glossed over there, um, is that we've not had a manager take us up since Jimmy Nicol. A lot of good players in that time. Um, 
and we've came close on the odd occasion, um, but always falling short. So if you do get them up, and I think it's um, it's always interesting when you look at like things like the Derby games, for example, like players like Lewis Vaughan and Sam Stanton now. Lewis Vaughan scores a hat-trick for the first time in God knows how long in a Derby, and then Sam Stanton scores a 90th minute winner for the first time that I can certainly remember and I don't know if anyone, nobody's ever came back to me about stats about whether we've had a 90th minute winner in a derby before but you go down as a legend and people do talk about it in years to come um, so you've got that aspect there that I don't think you can really write off so yeah I think um, maybe I'll rein it in with my questioning uh, for now um, and we'll wait and see how the next few weeks Pan out. I was going to say something that's definitely worth mentioning. I would never normally, under a normal circumstance, celebrate somebody losing their job in a cost of living crisis. But for Malky, I'm all right with it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel um, it, it's an interesting one because, as well, their support got very divided when he came in, and rightfully so. It was a similar situation to ourselves in Goodwillie, where naturally it's going to divide people. People aren't going to be happy about the decision. I know um, when I went to an Edinburgh City game, ironically, during the, the sort of whole debacle that unfolded after that January transfer window, because um, I wanted to get Aaron ticked off my list. Um, so I went with them down and uh, met Louis Dalgarno, who's a... Um, Embra City fan um, who had relocated down to the central belt for uni and he was actually a Ross County fan and he just stopped going because just Malky Mackay came in and you just think just fucking dickhead of a man just those texts like just it's easy to he's never really shown any contrition about it or so he put out like a half-hearted apology I think but like just at the end of the day man if you're sending stuff like that holding the racism show racism the red card there's absolutely no irony in it either yeah and you see things like that and you're just thinking man if that's how you're talking about people behind their back you can't really come out and sort of then say after oh i shouldn't have done it i shouldn't have done this or that just fucking idiot of a man let's be honest but aye. just one last thing i'm going to say on the kind of recruitment and the job thing um who knows what's going to happen one thing i do have confidence in though is that if for some reason ian murray does go with the structure we've got in place now, I'm pretty confident that the decision we make to who we get to replace him will be the right one. Yeah, I'd, I'd fully agree. And to be honest, see, when I was speaking about the, the sort of manager angle, I think that is, you look before and you, Ian Murray's obviously been approached before by Dundee and we said, right, you can go and talk to them. Um, but if it keeps happening time and time again, then I can see it becoming a point of frustration. And that's happened before when you look at Kevin Thompson uh, at Kelty, where he was going for every full-time job under the sun. And then all of a sudden, the, he leaves Kelty because the, uh, just on the face of it, it appeared that the, they weren't having that sort of agreement about the, the sort of moving forward and how things progress. One interesting name that if it, say it did come to that situation, um, where it came to pass, it would not surprise me if we actually tried to get Tam Courtson. Um, he's worked with him at Kelty before, and I think that could be a potential angle. Um, and I think that we're an attractive club. He's been out of work for a while, um, so I don't see any reason why we couldn't go for it. 
um, should that situation come to pass. But it's, we're looking far, far away into the future if it did happen. So um, I'm not Carol. I'm not an oracle by any means. I'm not predicting scorelines for five minutes to go and then getting them absolutely bang on. So we will park that one for now. And if it does rear its ugly head, then we will look at it then. Um, so we're going to turn to the big question now. Hall of Fame night coming up. Um, and the big question for this week is if you could pick who would you put into next year's Hall of Fame so I'm going to go to Leslie, I'm going to check with yourself first who you are thinking about. Oh I'm actually going to pick quite an easy option because the person that I want to see inducted and I'm going to sound like a right idiot if I've read all the scripts wrong here, the person that I want to see inducted is a person who's on the stage who's flying in from La Palma, Paquito. So if we look back, you know, Tony Calderon is in there quite rightly. And I would love to see Paquito brought in. And, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes you do these things on social media and it's like putting your all-time favourite 11 or things like that. Paquito always goes in mind. And, like, fans of other Scottish clubs are like, who's this guy? And the, the easiest way, I think, to describe it is he's our version of what Frank Soze was to Hibs. You know, a guy that yeah. came in who was just of very high quality, who, you know, conducted himself in just a terrific way on and off the pitch. Absolute gentleman. Maybe was playing for us at a time when we weren't actually playing our best football. And, you know, was kind of maybe served a wee bit badly at the end because of how things happened at that time in the club's history. And I think it's been really lovely that we've been able to kind of bring him back into the fold with the, the Canary Islands connection this year, getting him on the stage this year. I'd absolutely love to see, if it's not happening this year, I'd absolutely love to see Paquito being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I believe that, as far as my understanding is, that he's, he's definitely a special guest, and I think that he will be in, um, as far as I'm aware. I'm not sure if, Blair, if that's something that you know much about. or No, my, I'm kind of a Leslie, though. My, my gut feeling is he's on the stage, so there might be a, a wee surprise, something coming. But, yeah, I don't know. I genuinely don't know anything. Um, I'd be delighted to see that. Um, I agree with Leslie's um, one of the most cultured footballers I think I've ever seen play football. You just, you just wouldn't see it, and that's something that I, I've, I've spoken about it a wee bit before. But you do sort of miss that sort of rocking up early two thousands to Starts Park. You you didn't have YouTube, but just a player would rock up from a foreign country. Um, yeah. Oh, we've signed someone from Argentina, according to the Five Day Press. I think the 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 dying one that I ever saw of that was Damien Castellanovo when he just rocked up on Derby Day and it was just like, oh, who's this six-foot giant that we've signed uh, on loan from Dundee United? Um, and yeah, it's just um, varying quality that you would see in players, but nonetheless, it was still an interesting experience at the time. Um, Scott, who have you got for your fictional, hypothetical Hall of Fame for next year? I will... I mean, I think for, for me, it's just down to people that I've obviously seen play in the last 20 years that I've really been watching and following the club. So I think the, the easy one for me to say is because, of, well, he's scored a, a winner in a cup final, but also just he's been top scorer in a couple of seasons as well. He's had a couple of different spells with us. And it, actually, I know it's a little bit separate, but he did a video at the just before he went to Australia, and it, it's John Baird, but I actually, it, he's one of the only players that actually, I kind of got a wee lump in my throat when he was talking about the club, and you're going, this is a guy that 
he's a mad Celtic fan, brought up in a Celtic family, but yet his wee boy's got Rovers kits and just thinks about the Rovers and is always wanting Rovers to do well. And you're like, well, his wee boy's probably going to grow up now as a Rovers fan and not a Celtic, but he might also be a Celtic fan. But like, just things like that add to things to put it towards these sort of awards, I think. But no, but just his on-field stuff as well. He was somebody that just always ran. So he ran himself into the ground every game. And he, I, he would moan like hell at anybody. But at the same time, it's because he wants to win. And he was, he was a winner. So no, uh, and he was in that team that almost took us to the Premier League as well. So no, he was in a few successful teams and he, he scored quite a few goals for us as well. So I would say that Baird is probably high up on my list for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love John Baird a bit, naturally. I, I, his first spell was brilliant. And I know it's always interesting to hear back his side of things because he, he, he did want to leave to go to uh, when Dunfermline put in a low ball offer and we turned it down at the end of that season when they'd gone to the top flight, which was the right thing to do from our perspective. You've got to stand their ground. Um, he leaves and obviously um, goes off and then moves into the top flight. But... Yeah, just a player that a lot of time for um, comes back for the second spell, wins the cup, goes off after that. Um, and it was a shame to, to see him go in those circumstances again. But it was really that third spell when he came back um, after being at Forfar and you saw him that season and you think, ah, he's actually still got a bit about him. And then he comes back and he's playing with Kieran Bowie and then laterally and uh, the end of that time with... Um, big Stevie McLean up top and I really think those two signings McLean and Baird I know that we touched on Stephen Anderson as well at different points but those two signings just got us over the line in that season um, because Kieran Bowie was so raw just you could see the talent and he's just an excellent footballer but he needed those sort of older heads to help him through games and you definitely got that with, with John Baird um, and I think it just it it was just nice that he came back because I believe it's been mentioned before that he was off to Australia and then he came back just to finish it off. And what a way to end your sort of professional career by having that. And he seems, by all accounts, he seems to be doing well in Australia. So more power to him. Um, very nice to see. And uh, yeah, I think he'll always be welcome back at Starks Park um, when he's over in Scotland. So the final one there. Um just going to check who you got in mind uh, for your Hall of Fame one, Blair. Um, I'll be honest, I'm kind of struggling now because I'd picked Beardy as well. I, I thought about Paquito. Um, Taddy kind of came to my mind um, as being one. Um, I don't know. Like, There's a wee bit of me wonders if we could end up at some point having a, a current player going into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't normally happen, but... To have a player like Vaughn in your squad who's been here for the length of the time that he's been here and gone through what he's gone through and achieved what he's achieved, um, I, I kind of wonder. I think he'll certainly be a, an inductee at some point in the future. 100%. Um, but, um, yeah, there's nothing. There's, it's funny because like, there's a few that kind of stick out. And there's a few, I keep going back and checking the list and going, oh, what about, oh, no, they're already in. Yeah. Um, there's probably a few for the, the Coca-Cola Cup winning squad still to go in as well, to be fair. I know they inducted the squad as a, a, a group. Um, 
but it would be it would be quite nice to see like say maybe Ali Graham or something like that going in as well again. Yeah, uh, I who's got really fond memories of, of being at the club and was a I loved him when I was a kid. I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, so yeah, but probably I I don't know Taddy maybe would be my shout at this point just because I love the guy. Yeah, Taddy. I mean, he's just that front partnership that he had with John Baird um, in that sort of final season was just a joy to watch, wasn't it? Because you'd see Baird pulling players sort of left, right and centre and then Taddy would run into the space. But if they tracked Taddy, then Baird would get in the six-yard box and be knocking in goals. And it was just absolute chaos to watch. Like We gave some a few doings out to sides at the start of the season um, and then it gradually tailed off, obviously, as the things became a bit more difficult. Um, players became a bit more adept at handling them. But yeah, just a, a guy that's always in that Aberdeen game was just ridiculous in terms of the living and the memory. Brilliant for a post-match interview as well. Some of the, the ones that you saw, um, just full of energy. But yeah, it's interesting that you mention Ali Graham as well, because he's someone that's really big in terms of the social media. He does a lot of sort of work um, on that side. To, and he, he's very, just very humble about his time at Rovers. He's more than happy to chat to people just about his experiences and how much the club means to him. So I think he's he's a very good shout for for getting an individual recognition at some point. Um, and he just always seems to speak fondly about his, his time with the club, rightfully so, given what he achieved. Oh. Actually, one's just popped into my head. Bobby Sloan. Get him in. He's on my list, I know. <laughs> Get him I, in. Yeah, again, a player that's provided us with a lot of memories. and Yeah, just... Three kicks, just second to none. Second to none. Some somebody else that came. That's I've got on my list, and I, I don't think you can induct him now because of where he's playing. But I don't think you can not recognise Benedictus. Oh, what really. he did with the club. Like, Do you the, think he's he going to be accepted? He was he was club captain for the league win one winning side. Yeah. Club captain for both Challenge Cups. Yeah. In recent history, I know he never played, and he but he was there. He was club captain still, so he's won three trophies as captain. I, I think he, he would probably. He's already starting to get a bit annoyed with the club. But I think he'd be really pissed off if he if he's seen all these guys going in and then going. Well, I've just won three trophies with you, and I'm not even getting recognised. To be fair, he'll probably get inducted the same year as like Craig Whiten or something. Like when the you know when we've got, <laughs> when nobody left, we'll get Benny in with Craig Whiten. You, know we'll you know what we'll do? You know what we'll do? We'll get you. We'll get you and Murray in first, just because he's decided to make the right decision and come back to us. So, I uh, get the meathead in. Um, so for me, for my pick, I, I had a look through, and uh, I was. I, I'm not sure if I made a mistake really with this, but. Um, Looking at the list, um, I think he's our longest-serving manager ever, but Bert Herbman, um, who was manager between 1945 and 1961. So I was reading uh, the the excellent Bible of all things Rovers, which is always next season, uh, which covers everything from our foundation right up to the uh, 2007-2008 season, I believe. Um he effectively started off, he used to be the treasurer of the Sporters Club um, and during World War II, um, when professional football was stopped, there was Rafe Athletic, which was a junior juvenile uh, team that played for sort of wartime entertainment and he was their manager. Um, now, what basically happened, end of the war comes, 
the, the manager before stepped down and basically the club went to Herdman and said, do you want to take over? And he says, right, that's fine. I'll do it initially until you find a full-time manager. And then he ends up being our longest serving, one of our longest, if not the longest serving manager, um, all the way from 1945, as I say, right through to 1961, signed some of our greatest ever players, whether it's Willie Penmond, Willie Pollard, even Jim Baxter uh, was a, a sign-in under his stewardship. Uh, stewardship. Um, took us on numerous cup runs. We got to semi-finals. I think we might even got to uh, a League Cup final during that time as well. And also as well, he took us to the top flight. Um, end of his time in 1961, um, it was basically told that he was, um, the club were looking to move in a different direction. And he didn't chuck the toys out the pram. He just stepped back into a fundraising role because um, that was seemingly what he was all about. Uh, there's a quote in the book that said that one of his former players, he had a, he passed away in the late uh, 1960s. And one of the former players said, there were so many people at the funeral that if he'd known about the numbers that were attending, he would have made it an all-ticket event because that's what he was like for his fundraising. So I don't know if I've picked up the wrong end of the stick or if I just can't see the information he's in, but I think that he would be someone that would be a, a very worthy candidate of going in unless there's something that I'm missing. Um, yeah, just... Uh, it seems like a stellar pick and the book even describes him as being one of the greatest ever or the greatest ever uh, rover. So, yeah, um, just something that I'm not sure whether it's one that will get investigated further, but that would be my suggestion for next year's Hall of Fame. That will round us off for the evening. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen. Um, we will be back. I believe that we're going to be back on Saturday this week um, with our post-match review of the Hamilton game. And then again, we'll be back later on midweek with the run-up to Friday night under the lights um, for the Fife Derby against Dunfermline um, at East End Park. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, so so uh, goodbye from me and uh, goodbye from everyone else on the podcast. And uh, thanks for your time.